Welcome to Toffee TV. It is the daily live extra. We're on YouTube. It is myself, Ped, and I'm joined by Jack. How are you, mate? I'm all right, you know, besides Everton. Well, being Everton. Then before we talk about Everton, we just, like, make ourselves sad. You're coming to the end of your year, your third year in university, and you want to go travelling to Pakistan. Well, it's on the cards, you know. Uh, like I want to see a few places, and I watched the YouTube video by it. I think it was the Burnt Chip. Okay. And he went there, and it, like the old preface of it was, it's very cheap there, and okay. he took like like a few quids worth of English currency and put it into Pakistani currency, and he done loads. He bought a donkey just for laughs, <laughs> and you know, obviously being a student, you know, some like. There's not many pennies in the bank, so I thought, you know, if I want to maximise yeah. my, like... Donkey value. Style, yeah, you know, maybe I need to go somewhere. Because England's expensive. You know, I don't it's know if you've been to Aldi lately. It's very expensive. The price of the butter. Yeah, it's like, very expensive. You, know, you might as well cash in your chips for a donkey in Pakistan. If someone in Pakistan's got the money to just buy a donkey for nothing, sure, you can afford, like, butter and bread there. You know what I mean? It makes sense to me. I'd go for it. I'd be all over it. Make some YouTube videos about buying a donkey. Yeah, Maybe Evan could buy a team there and send all our, like, well, all our team there instead. Maybe just, you know, for the value of a donkey. Well, I think the ironic thing is the donkey would be a better footballer than a few of our players, wouldn't he? Probably score more goals. Probably. Probably would score more goals. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah. I think I should have gone into making blogs, like vlogs from around the world, traveling, traveling. vlogs. Yeah. Because they, they, like, that's like double bubble, isn't it? It's like you get you get the trip and you get to make YouTube videos. So you're having fun and you're making YouTube videos and making a bit of money. I think that's the people who decide that rather than going into um, football stuff. Uh, they've, they've smashed life. Well, you've just trapped yourself into talking about Everton. I have. You can't walk away. Now, even if you wanted to, you're, you're trapped. I think I was trapped anyway. I think I've just solidified it. But you're locked in now, though. Like, there's no getting out of it now. Where my spoon says there's no butter in Pakistan, lad. There's no butter. Why not? What if it's like, you know, like they use like donkey milk to make make the butter rather than cow's milk? Donkey milk. I'm not going to go into it. I'm not going to go into the ins and outs of what is available in in Pakistan. That's all. That's all. Got to be something. That's all I'm saying. There's got to be. There's got to be something, hasn't there? It's got to be something. Um, yeah. Uh, obviously, Everton drew nil nil with Crystal Palace over the weekend. Um, not a great, not a great game. I must admit, not not a great game of football. Um, what disappointed me about that game was, with about an hour gone. I thought it was really there for the taking. I thought they looked like they were just playing a end of season game, and if we had a little bit of bit about us, I, I can't really put my finger on what that little bit about us would have been. But if we had a little bit about us, we could have gone on and got the three points. You're just looking for an extra five percent all over the pitch, aren't mm. you? And that would have been enough because Palace they started the game well. But then once they didn't have that goal an hour in, like you say, the adrenaline's probably gone down a bit because they don't have anything to play for. They don't have that same natural sort of need mm. to win that we do because we're obviously still fighting their seasons, probably done and dusted now. They started the game well, but once it's not came, it's harder to get to those levels of fight and desire you need to get to to win a game yeah. from that point. So it was there for the taking and disappointment how the game changed to... 
take that out of our hands. Yeah, then yeah, it's just that like, after an hour, you could sort of uh, around the hour mark, or maybe a little bit later, you could start to hear the Everton fans really getting behind the team. I thought they weren't behind the team before, but you could really. It was the only thing you could hear was the Everton fans, and um, I just thought Everton needed to do something, maybe take some risks. Maybe just step it up a little bit, go a bit more direct, put more players just around Dominic Armelun for the second balls. But we didn't, and like you just mentioned there, we've got to the last 10 minutes, Mason Holgate does what every single person in the ground knew Mason Holgate was going to do, um, except for the manager, sadly. And we're down to 10 men, and then it's all about staying in the game. And, and even when it went down to 10 men, there wasn't... There wasn't lot. There wasn't exactly. We weren't holding on for dear life. It was just a case of they had more of the ball. They didn't do anything with it, but they had more of the ball. So we couldn't really do anything. And it was that that, that yeah. That's that was really disappointing from from the game. Just that the manager didn't see right what was happening right in front of him. The first thing everyone thought when they seen Holgate on that team sheet was he's definitely going to get a booking early on. Stupidly, because that's mm. what he does. And then after that, there's always the potential for him to be sent off. And then an hour in, he's looking a bit aggravated. Jordan, I use torturing him mm. all game. He's already booked, puts another stupid challenge in. Everyone knew that was going to happen. And it's for whatever he's got against Nathan Patterson, he wouldn't play him. And, you know, Patterson's not, it's not the finished article by any means, is yeah. he? But like, Mason Holgate's had four, five, six chances at Everton now mm. where he's been brought back into the team that's not worked. No. You can't trust him in the same way you can't trust Neil Malpey to take his chances <laughs> and therefore you don't play him if you can help it. You can't trust Mason Holgate to keep a level head for 90 minutes yeah. so therefore you don't start him. I, I, th- I think I've, I probably feel not sorry for, for Mason Holgate but I do think again he's another one who's, who's career has been completely mismanaged. To be fair, when he was playing in a three at the beginning of the season, he wasn't looking too bad, and then he got the injury, and then the injury forced us to change it, and then we looked better, so we never went back to it. But his career has been completely mismanaged. He's, what, 27 now? He's playing right back. Well, his star comes on as a right back. And for a, for a one-off game, you know, you probably won't see him again this season now, after that. And, yeah, if... I don't know. It's it's a very strange move, like you just said there. He's got Patterson there, but he clearly doesn't fancy Patterson. But you've got to... Do you want to win games of football? You've got to use players in the right positions. He obviously wants like more defensive right-backs. But I'll be honest, yes, it's good to get clean sheets, but we need goals. Yeah, We're, We are the second-worst team in the entire country for goals per game. We need goals. And if we don't get goals, we're going to get relegated. You know, we've got the worst in the Premier League. And we're going to get relegated because we don't score goals. It won't matter about clean sheets. It's about scoring goals now. Yeah, and it goes back to just wanting a little bit more in every position on the pitch. Nathan Patterson, by no means, is going to change a game on his own, maybe. But maybe that tiny little bit of extra quality he has going forward mm. compared to a Mason Holgate or Ben Godfrey is just enough to carve out a chance mm. for us and that could be all we need because realistically you'd probably need a few more but on paper we could stay up by scoring four more goals This mm. stay up by winning three goals on paper obviously if you're not conceding as well if that just means winning three games 
So that's what we've got to carve yeah. out. We've just got to find a way to just slightly increase our output, slightly mm. increase our levels of chance creation. And Nathan Patterson going forward, better crosser than Holgate or Godfrey Bazeeza right back. Mm. Probably gets up the pitch a bit more naturally than the two of them as well. Yeah. And it's not about Nathan Patterson as some saviour or some great player. I personally don't think he is a particularly great player. I think he's all right and he's a young kid with a bit of potential. But as a right back, he is better than the two non-right backs we're favouring over him. I think defensively, he's not great. But I think you right there, it's about... I think what he had at the beginning of the season is he had a little bit of... A little bit of extra something, a little bit of devilment in him, which fans latch on to. Fans love that kind of stuff. A player giving absolutely everything, going in for 100% into 50-50s, having a little bit extra to get up the pitch and maybe make something happen. And his development has been very stop-start. Came to the club with only 12 um, appearances under his belt at Rangers. Needed to be managed correctly. Didn't get a sniff in the entire second half of last season, picked up an injury. And then coming this season, started all right, got an injury. Um, come back on another injury, and yeah, he he his his career has been stop started Everton, and as I said, I don't think he's a particularly good good defender. I also think that he's one he's a person who needs to get into the rhythm. He needs a few get minutes under his belt, a few games under his belt to get him up to speed. Manager obviously believes he hasn't got that, but I don't see the point of playing um, Ben Godfrey one week, then Mason Holgate the next week. It just it just it, it just seems that to me just seems really daft. I think Patterson could have given us something last week against um, against Fulham that we didn't have going forward because we've got to score goals. It's as simple as that, and we're not we're not scoring goals. So, um, was it a decent point? I don't know. It's, it's a point over. It's a point over Leeds. It's a point over Forest. Ironically, we still fell into the bottom three because Leicester have won. Um, but I don't know. Would you have took that point beforehand? Maybe. Did, did we deserve to win? Well, no, not a, not a chance. We, we we created a couple of chances. Dom's was brilliant, but then he puts it wide. And Awobi's is, again, brilliant effort to keep a pushes it wide. But apart from that, we've had shots and we've had the crosses that you know been easy for the goalie, but we haven't... We don't sustain pressure in games. We don't build a play, the play up and keep the ball and move it from one side to the other. It's all very sporadic and, and we just get moments and that's all we've had all season is moments to score goals. We don't have a way of playing. It's so strange to watch a Premier League t- team play for nearly two seasons now with no no style whatsoever. No, uh, like you say, I don't think we maximise the mental effects we can have on the opposition because we don't put them under enough pressure mm. by staying on top of them. Keep doing the same thing if something's working, keep doing it and make them worry about that. Make them worry about a certain type of ball into the box or a one-two between the striker and the winger. Have something you can go back to time and time again. It may not work every time, but most times you use that passage of play, it causes problems, because then that's pressure on the opposition then. Mm. And that's how you gain an advantage, because if the opposition's scared, if they're a bit nervous, if they feel like they're on the back foot, that mm. limits their performance, because that's, that's affecting them mentally. It's a massive week though, isn't it? I mean, uh, <laughs> Newcastle Thursday and then Leicester on Monday. That's that for me is it's seasons of fine, isn't it? It is, isn't it? I mean, after watching Newcastle do what they did yesterday, um, it hasn't. It, to be fair, I'm not. Uh, I was. I didn't watch it. 
I seen the score, so I seen everyone's reactions to the fact that they'd gone five nil up, and to be honest, it doesn't make me feel any worse about the Newcastle game because that was just a freak event, and we know Newcastle are capable of scoring goals. I don't think anything's changed from that. That is a freak event. That's not the norm. So, it, again, it says these a huge game. It's under the lights. I think it's going to be built up to be a huge game. There's, the fans will be doing certain things to make you know to make it a huge game. Everton, you know, with Dominic Almeloon back, with the Corey back, fingers crossed on Nana back. Not really sure on Seamus Coleman. Might come too soon for him. Might leave him. I don't know. Don't even know if Leicester will. To be honest, will be will be um, he'll be there for. But to have the possibility of having Dominic Carvalho and Baka Goodison, Onana, and of course the core, who's been, who's basically John Dyche's mind is mind is just gone. Yeah, not having the core in the do. team, he just hasn't had a clue what to do. Um, but having those three players back would. I know Dom was back on Saturday, but. That would be that's that changes our side, the physicality of our side, the the, the pressing from the front, which we haven't had with the Corey, um, a little bit more possession, a little bit more. Even though people may have thought Onana hadn't been doing all right, him in, him and not in the side, you suddenly see what what you an effect. Then, don't you? Yeah, we see what an effect he has had on the side. So I don't I don't think it's to me it's it's just it hasn't changed because of yesterday. No, I mean, we already know Newcastle are a lot better than us, don't we? Mm. And obviously they were very good yesterday, but Tottenham were awful as well. Yeah. How often do you see a Premier League goalkeeper get subbed off at half-time? <laughs> yeah. Like Tottenham were obviously played their part in within how bad they were. We know Newcastle are better than us anyway, and it wouldn't do us any favours getting worked up and scared about yeah. what they're going to do it to us because just focus on ourselves. We've got these players back. You know, Calvert Lewin hopefully still be available. He's mm. just got about eighty minutes under his belt. Yeah. Decore back in the side, fingers crossed on Arnold as well. Mm. Just got to focus on ourselves, make the game hard for them under the lights at home, as you say, get on yeah. top of them. Fans obviously planning a lot to get the atmosphere up. Anthony Gordon playing, which <laughs> I think with me saying this now, he'll probably score the hat trick, but I think in being on the pitch if he scores at Attic then just relegates us yeah. there and then but in being on the pitch probably potentially gives us a slight advantage as well because it's like whenever we'd play Chelsea when they had Barkley mm. everyone would be up for it and you know an angry Goodison's a good Goodison yeah, yeah that's it that's it um, tomorrow night obviously huge as well Leeds are at their own to Leicester that's that's a huge that's a huge game that's like can both teams lose please I mean obviously we'd probably want, we, we would We'd want to draw out of that game because there's no sense in either in if either team winning. So a draw, even though obviously that would take both of them a point away from us. We need we need them all in there. We need that we need this. We need all five teams to. I mean, obviously not ourselves, but we need the other four teams to remain there. So that that is a huge game tomorrow night. That's an eight o'clock kickoff. But um, yeah, and then obviously Monday night against Leicester. That could be the absolute decider. Um and yeah, it's it's just it's just it's just yeah, it's just not good, is it? It's just not good. I'm not I'll be honest, I'm not I'm sitting here and I'm not I'm not particularly stressed out about it. I haven't been. I, I've said it many times. Everton are getting what they deserve. As a football club, Everton are getting what they deserve, hundred percent. And we saw that from the letter on on Friday night from the chairman. We're getting what we deserve. Um we're getting a club that are fighting with its own fans, we're getting a club that 
has um, slashed the quality of the squad year on year out. We're, we're, we've we've got a squad that have paid ridiculous prices for terrible players. We've got a club that is just a mess, an absolute mess, and it deserves what it gets. In in the fans don't deserve it. No fan does ever deserves relegation. The fans never never. But the club, I think our football club does deserve it personally as a football club. I think it does everything wrong in terms of football and stuff. Um, and the timing of that letter on on on. On Friday was just baffling. It's idiotic. Well, it was just baffling, and, and the and the contents of it was just the ramblings of a of a of a man who shouldn't be a chairman of a Premier League football club. They were just ramblings, basically. It was just like he'd scribbled something down, passed it to the person who runs the website, and then said, "You know, press this on." Yeah, put that on there. Buy Bill, and and <laughs> the thing is, I think like normally when someone official or higher up in a business puts out a statement. You sort of tell when it's not been written by them and their PR yeah. officials of Rose. You can tell he's written yeah. every word of that and he's for that's Bosta. Because it perfectly like encapsulated the arrogance that he's had in every mm. sort of um, notable interactions he's had with Everton fans that you've seen on social media from the you've betrayed this club yeah. video years ago to the you've had your good times clip from yeah. last season. It, it perfectly just sums up the arrogance that we've seen I, in this man on multiple occasions. I think as well what it showed is a man who, who thinks he still has the fan base on his side. He thinks that he still he thinks that the, it's the minority that that don't want him at the club, and I think what what he might be getting confused with is he might see the minority being out there and protesting or staying in the ground after games, but that doesn't mean that there's a there's, there's not a general sense of in the fan base that Everton fans know what the issue is and 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 what needs to happen people mightn't be jumping up and down about it that's their prerogative um but people certainly know that, that they don't want people like bill kenwright at the club anymore people might think that you know the statements that come out on the other side are not good either whether people are talking about his health or saying he's not welcome at goodison park anymore that's fine we'll all disagree not none of those statements I imagine represents everyone in the fan base. No. And that's fine. No one's ever going to be represents everybody in the fan base. But I but I do think he's I do think he's um foolish if he believes that he still has the fan base on his side. Um and, and that might that shows that would show how to touch he was or or what people are telling him. Because I don't think he does have the fan base on his side. Everyone just wants him to leave. Some people would like, probably like to see him leave with a bit of dignity. Other people would just like him to leave. So I think it was a spectacular on goal. And when you do speak to, I spoke to a couple of people in the media and they're just like, what's he, what is he doing? What, what, what's he actually doing? Because this is, doesn't look good from, you know, we heard this word, the optics. If you watch things like succession, they love talking about the optics of things. The optics for this aren't good. What does optics mean? The look of it, how it okay. plays, yeah. you know, how the how the markets would react, you know, all that kind. Because everything gets to get said and done now is important. You know, you know, the 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 former president of America could say something stupid and the share price of something could drop. You know, Elon Musk could say something stupid right now 
um, and the, the stock price of Twitter or SpaceX or Tesla could drop through the floor. You know, it's what it's not all about what you do now. It's what you say as well. And you come out and say stupid things, then people have less confidence in you. Problem is, Everton doesn't work like that. If Everton was a, if Everton was a publicly traded company, Bill Kenny might obviously wouldn't Just be the chairman. Would have wiped a lot of. Well, he wouldn't be the chairman anyway. But people would be would be demanding. I imagine shareholders would be demanding something to happen now. So so it's it's not it wasn't particularly a good move for him. I don't think. Well, that's why every sort of respectable company in the business world has PR officials, has media officials. That's why everything that goes out is looked over three, four, five times. And we've done a lot of this in universities, doing sports journalism about studying PR. And, you know, I may have not known what optics meant, but <laughs> once you explained it, like, yeah, I agreed because it just goes against every bit of common knowledge, every bit of, n not law, but, you know, like the, the sort of unwritten rules that everyone mm. has to play by. Yeah. It was amateurish. Yeah, it was. And like, I think even, all... even if you agreed to them, I think which I... I don't mean to speak on anyone's behalf, but I do think a vast majority of Evertonians disagree with Bill Kenwright, disagree with that statement, don't want him in the club. That's how I see it anyway. But I think even if you did agree with him, you wouldn't be looking at that thinking, that's a cracking statement. Even if you agreed with the general presses, like, yeah, you'd listen, be, it's not written well, this. You might get the old person. You might get more than the old person, I don't know, but you might get the old person who goes, you know what, good for him. Good for him having his comeback. They had a little dig at him, you know. I mean, I don't believe it was a dig. I don't think talking about... Listen, I've said this loads of times. I have no... The man is 77 and not in good health. If he was the Prime Minister of, of this country and he was a Tory, everyone would want him gone. Everyone would be talking about him if he was making decisions and his health and, and all that. Everyone would go, 77, he's in terrible health. Get him out the country. But because it's Bill, cuddly Uncle Bill, everyone's like, oh, you can't do that. This and this is hard. This is the business world, and and he's, he is seventy seven. And I, I don't, I, we, at times I don't understand people. I really don't. Some people will be like, "This club's a joke. This is what's going on. It's a mess. We need proper people." And then you go, "Well, because we've got a seventy seven year old who's ill, who's the chairman. Oh, you can't say that. You can't say. That. I, I don't get that personally. If you if you're gonna have a go with someone, you might as well just go all the way. As far as I'm concerned, if you're gonna, you might as well point out the reasons why. One of the reasons why, for me, that's listen. I'm different than other people. That's fine. I have no issue. But but I would understand people going. Fair play, good for him, good for him getting his comeback, but you've just said it, that's amateurish. That's all right if it's like two boxers, and it's tit for tat, yeah, and they're like, having a you're a knobhead, yeah. no, you're a knobhead. And that's fine, this is the chairman of a Premier League football club who should know better. Then again, who are you going to war with? Well, you're going to war with your own fans. You're basically, you're basically, um, you're basically uh, fighting with your own fans. Like, you know, the fans will be reactive. The fans will be um, will be emotional, of course. But as you, you as the chairman of a football club, you you can't be reactive. You can't be emotional when it comes to these things. You have to almost take higher ground in a way. I mean, that, I'm not saying that's the fans taking a lower ground. What I'm saying is that's on you. You have to step you're back held and go to a higher standard. Yeah, of course yeah. you are. Of course you are because you did, you are the chairman of the of a Premier League football club. So, um, very strange. Yeah, because you know, if I felt like thousands of people were having a go at me, and even if it felt like some of it maybe 
understandable, even if I didn't agree with it, for, okay, I see where they're coming from, I'd probably want to have a go back. But I'm not a very well-paid head of a very serious company that mm. spends a lot of money and is very important to a very large amount of people. Mm. So he is held to a higher standard, and that doesn't mean the protesters and fans can get away with more or should be allowed to get away with more mm. or that the statements they put out yeah. should be allowed to be amateurish, but they're not. Yeah, as a whole, like, not. A, well, the fans' actions are done quite professionally and it done reflects, quite well. It reflects the entire football club, doesn't it? it if you have got it, if the chairman is coming out and he's being, um, he's putting statements out like that, and he's he wasn't being aggressive. He was being obviously he was trying to, he was being condescending, condescending. but more than anything, he was patting people on the head, going, "We know better than you." And I'm he, sure the people in your group who understand finance yeah. would have told yeah. you this. But also, though, I think he threw Denise Barrett-Baxendale under the bus as well in the statement. So not only he's being condescending, he was also washing his hands of, of the whole thing. Like, And also he was... Some of the stuff, you know, like... Uh, you know, I'm not the chair... I'm not, I don't run the club, so, you know, that's not on me. But then, like, I'd love a day off. We'll have a day off then. Have a week off. Have a month off. Have the rest of your life off, mate. No one's... You know... But listen, that's up to Farad Mashiri, isn't it? That's up to Farad Mashiri to to release him from that position because to me, what that sounded like is you're gonna have to drag me out of here. That's what it sounded like. Someone's gonna have to tell him he's no longer the. But I don't know if Mashiri probably loves the fact that Everton fans are having a go at him and not having a go at Farad Mashiri. Yeah, and the thing is, Mashiri won't get rid of Kent Wright because Mashiri only owns the club because of Kent Wright. How many potential owners did we go through before we got to Mashiri and that happened to be the one that allowed Blue Bill to stay? Not mm. just to oversee the change, but to stay years after the takeover. Mm. Like, you know, not to go all conspiracy theorist, but to me, that does say the. Ken Wright wanted an owner who'd let him stay on and let him be there for the new stadium. Mm. No, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. It's then from a more political stance as well. Ken Wright's a very easy um, target for the fans. Yeah, he is. So that's uh, useful for Mashiri because he's got so much wrong. Absolutely. And then if you've got this fella writing daft letters and irritating the fans, it it does. It gives it, and it does get said. It does get said quite a lot. And maybe you get you get this said from some Evertonians. You get this said from some people on the outside. Why are the fans going after Bill Kenwright and not going after Farad Mashiri? Well, Everton fans have gone after, have targeted Farad Mashiri, but the problem, the difference with Bill Kenwright is, certainly for some of my ages, this has been going on for twenty over twenty years now. It's been certainly going on for the last ten years with Bill Kenwright. He has divided the fans massively um, in terms of what he's done ten years ago. People liked him because they thought he'd done really well in keeping the, the club afloat in a really tough time um, when they didn't have any money. But why why weren't they asking the question, why was it a tough time? Why did we have any money? This this was always my thing. It's like, why was it a tough time? You know, if if I'm if I'm coming in and I'm I'm saying, you know, I'm giving you scraps, you're gonna ask me, Well, why why is it why is why aren't you? Why aren't you doing better? Why are you only giving me this? Shouldn't be. Shouldn't be thank. I, you shouldn't be thanking me for giving you scraps. You should be like, why am I only getting scraps in an era of the Premier League when there was money everywhere and still is now? Why did this man? Why could this man not attract investors? Why, whenever we're doing really well, by the way, you know, top top five six every year, 
uh, getting into Europe? Why could he not attract the vet investors? Why was he trying to get other people to pay for our stadium? And finally found someone to pay for our stadium, by the way. You know, we went to Tesco, we went to Sainsbury's. And then he finally got Fad Machiri to pay for our stadium. This... That's my question I've always asked. Why were people too bu busy looking and going, oh, we've done a really good job, rather than saying, well, why didn't he do a better job? And that's what I could never understand. And to me, to me, he couldn't, he could never let go. And, and he still can't let go um, because he thinks he's the best man for the job. And if a 77-year-old man in poor health, which he is, and he said it himself in that letter, is the best man for the job, then all you other people out there... Got to be someone in the You're all really bad at your yeah, job. Bill Henry's just told you you're all really bad at your job. So, I, I, it massively frustrates me. It massively frustrates me that he's still at the football club. And it's not a personal thing. Although it has got maybe a little bit personal more recently because I find things like that, what he wrote, just massively condescending and talking down to the fan base, which is at to put up with all this nonsense. And... For a very long time, and a fan base that's transitioned your age, your age, you've not seen anything. You've not, you, you will have barely seen like Moise's era. Never mind, never mind before that. Whereas I come, I've watched the whole thing transition from being the best club in Europe, transitioning to, to, one to what we are now, yeah, to what we are now. And I've watched it, and for a large part, part of that, there's, there is one common theme, and, and his name is Bill Kenwright, and people are just not prepared to say that because they, he's a lovable Bill, and he's a big blue and all these things. Well, if he was a red, people would that soon have an issue with him. It's, it's, I, I've never got it. I've never, and a whole, whole two generations of fans of lot, and we are, we are. We are in a mess. And Newcastle, are, I said this today, Newcastle are a brilliant example. For all the money and everything that's come in, what the, the these people who've took over, do you like them or you don't like them? What they've done is they've just gone, well, everyone who was here before is gone. We're bringing in the best people possible. The best people. And we are going to make this a great environment. There probably was a few people in the old regime who probably could have contributed a lot, but they knew what that entailed yeah. and what that said to the fans, and they knew this had to be scorched earth. Yeah. We start again. Yeah. Like, um, we need to send a message. We need to prove that this is a new era. And when Farad Mashiri came into the club, I'd maybe understand Bill Kenwright being there for six months, mm. just overseeing the change yeah. and that, just making sure it all happened smoothly. But after that, he doesn't need to be there. Bill Kenwright didn't need to be Everton chairman a few years into his chairmanship because the way he came into the club was we were in a tough time. He came in and, you know, he saved us. He took over and he tried to steer us to safety and tried to bring in what money he could and spent what money did comparatively to other owners. He is not that rich. He's not a billionaire. Yeah. And he, he probably spent what he could. But what he should have done very early on into his ownership of the club was finding a new owner, someone with money, someone who can spare a lot more money, can put more money down. And if Bill Kenray came into Everton, does a year in charge, steadies the ship, moves us on to someone much richer, much more ambitious, we'd all talk about him in a very positive yeah. light. We'd go, that's a good fella there. Yeah. You know, he kept us going, put us in the hands of someone a lot more capable and with a lot more money. Mm. Like, you know, fair play to him. Like, he's only looking out for the club. He stayed at the club far, far, far longer than he's had to yeah. because he's obsessed with it because like you say he's an Evertonian yeah. so he wants to I want to own Everton I want to be Everton's chairman I want to go down in history as the man who delivers Everton's new stadium that's 
going to be underwater in 20 years. But, <laughs> you know, he's he's obsessed with that. And I do sympathise with that a tiny bit because if, if it's your club and you have the chance to do something with it, it, it would be hard to let go of. Mm. But if he really cares about the club, he mm. needs to let go because he's not helping. No, I, I know. Yeah, and I, I do believe when the summer comes, I do believe there'll be a change. There has to be, there has to be changes because the people because this is the other side of it, right? This is the other side of it. They're not doing a good job. They're doing a ridiculously bad job. Like you will get all like you'll get all the um, you'll get all the bots telling you that oh, you get when I get a new stadium, it's it's amazing. This this will be the legacy. Forget all like the short term. The stadium's the long term legacy, and it's like yeah, but we could have had both. There's no reason why we couldn't have had both. There's no reason why we can't build a new stadium and be a decent football team. At the same There's time, no reason. Yeah. It's just better planning and 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 a better understanding how football in the modern era works. And there's rumours today. Um, well, not rumours. It's there's a report from an from an Italian newspaper who are not very credible, saying that seven 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 are close to taking over Evan. I think it's nonsense. I think I I I, I don't think it's. You know, we we had um, we had Joe Thomas in on on Friday. He was saying like, no one's going to be there'll be negotiation, but no one's going to be buying buying into Everton till the fate of the of of what's going on. You're not you don't buy would you? you don't buy a championship team for Premier League money. Basically, is what Joe said. Um, so there's got to be that thing seven seven seven. I don't I wouldn't want as our owners anyway. I don't want a I don't want a consortium as such. Um, to be buying Everton because I just it just it doesn't smell right to me with the stadium and everything it just doesn't quite smell right it feels like someone will be coming in to almost buy us for parts I know that's not how it works but you know what I mean it just yeah. doesn't feel right doesn't feel right I, you know I, I don't I don't know it just doesn't it just it just doesn't feel right to be fair but um, but listen he is trying to he is of course trying to um he's obviously he's obviously trying to get investments in Everton Football Club. He's obviously MSP, which I still think that will happen. I still think MSP will happen um for maybe twenty, twenty five percent. Obviously the value of that will depend on where Everton are next season, whether they're the Premier League team, probably a couple of seats on on, on the on the on the board and then maybe things start to get shook up a little bit. Maybe other people will leave. Um whether it be Bill Kenwright leaves, whether it be Denise Sparrow Baxendale, I don't know. But there has to be there has to be a major shake up yeah. of this club. Just for whether you like Bill Kenwright, whether you don't like him, Denise Sparrow Baxendale, just for results on their own, there has to be a change. There has to be. You can't you can't be in two relegation battles, uh, you know, back to back. You can't be uh, going to a Premier League commi- independent commission. You can't you can't you can't lose that much money without someone going. This isn't right. This this isn't right. Why aren't why what's going on? You can't lose the amount or like spend the amount of money we've spent over the last few years and go as far backwards mm. as we've went and be a well ran club. I know the number of people who think we're well ran has dramatically decreased over the last eighteen months, in my opinion. Yeah. The number of people who've thought that way should have been a lot higher a lot earlier because it's been very clear the sort of mistakes we've been making for a long time personally but regardless the number of people who do think this club is well ran is dramatically smaller than what it was but it's still too high because there is no excuse for these charlatans now yeah 
I think. I mean, yeah, it's it, it's an, it's just an interesting one, isn't it? It's 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 a, it's a. I think when 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 Bill Kenwright had when Bill Kenwright had uh, obviously David Moyes, he. It was, a, it was a different era of football. We were obviously Chelsea just come in, and there was money just about. It was more about infrastructure. Than, obviously, you're too young, Jack. But when the when the Premier League come in, some I mean, don't forget as well when the Premier League started, we were we were one of the big five. That's what it was called. We went into basically a hotel room, um, and it was thrashed out the deal. The big five said, "This is not this is not how we should have football." In the eighties. They had all kinds of issues with TV rights. Some games weren't even going. There was like whole half of seasons where, like, when we won the league in '87, half of that season wasn't even shown on TV. Like, it, honestly, it was nuts. Like, you'll get footage of it, and the footage is Everton's own footage from like um, a really dodgy camera in the main stand. Um, and the the owners all decided that this had to change. The clubs had the power. Clubs took the power. They said we wanted the Premier League. Some clubs understood straight away. Like some Manchester United, if you go here, you go back to the early days of the Premier League, you'll see um, Manchester United Stadium being rebuilt as games are being played. We we never did anything. We just sort of sat there and thought everything can continue. We're getting money now. We don't need to change. Other clubs understood it was going to become an executive box nature. Um, a different kind of fan. The old seaters are coming after the Taylor Report. These kind of things after Hillsborough. We just sat on our hands and didn't understand. And obviously that wasn't Bill Kenwright. That was transitioning out of, um, from the Moores family. Uh, Peter Johnson, was it? Well, it came to Peter Johnson. Yeah, I'm saying it transitioned out of out of the Moors. And we had uh, Dr. David Marsh as our chairman, Phil Car- Philip Carter, Philip Carter's foot down. Um, and we transitioned and we went into Peter Johnson. Peter Johnson bought, the, bought it um, for a lot cheaper. We obviously won the FA Cup. We built the park end. Even the park end, when you look at the park end, the park end, if you've ever been to Blackburn, the park end was supposed to be like Blackburn, a two-tier stadium, a two-tier stand with executive boxes. They bottled it, basically, um, and went for one. And, it, you know, you look at it and think, that wouldn't look out of place at Tramia. That park end, really, yeah. do you know what I mean? It's not. It's a, it's a cow shed. It, it is. It's not. It? It's not brilliant, is it? It's not. Especially when you look at all the land behind it, could have done really well with that. And basically, as others, you know, then you got, then you got started getting like the foreign imports, and then you got, then obviously Chelsea blew it up. Manchester United were obviously the big, big team, but man, but, but Chelsea blew it up um, with new money, and then Abramovich came in, and that's where it came. And Everton just when Bill Kenley took over. At the time, he was seen as the savior. Peter Johnson was, was yeah, he was swimming against the tide massively. He'd sold Dunk on against Walter Smith's, um, you know, uh, back basically. And it, when Bill came in, it, there was a sense of I'll give you everything I've got, and then he brought Moyes in, and and we obviously we did we did well, and a lot of people loved that that we didn't have like a foreign owner and we weren't selling our soul and a lot of that. The, the lovable underdog. But behind the scenes, it wasn't quite like that because Bill Kenwright knew he couldn't compete and he had to go and speak to someone about money. That person is, wasn't a very nice man. He wasn't a very nice man, basically. He had to go and get loans off him to buy players. It did help us get... Um, the likes of Yakubu and people like that in the in the late uh, part um, of the of the of the the noughties. Um but then again football kept on changing. City came into it, and the, and it just kept on. Ch- and obviously he could he tried to get the King's Dock Stadium, made a mess of that. 
tried to get Kirby, made a mess of that. Uh, tried to get Walton Open Park, Walton Old Park. Tried to get Sainsbury's involved in that. And it's just he's it, it, basically what's happened is as as the Premier League has gone like that because of our inability to change and to remain as a traditional old football club we are where we are because of that and that is simply what it is it's because and even with a new owner and Farad Mashiri the understanding of changing changing f- because football is changing has never occurred to anyone after the football club the new way of doing things like Brighton are, like Brentford are, like Newcastle are to be fair. Newcastle got all that money, but they're not trying to they're not trying to spend their way out of to the top. They're doing it in a way that they think will be the like the building it. Building, it, building it, yeah, yeah. Building an infrastructure. Yeah, we've mm. tried to do it like old like clubs used to do it. Like Blackburn did in the early in late in the mid nineties, sorry, of just buy, 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 buy. And just we, get a good player from every team yeah. around you, and that's that's a squad. And, and that's why we are where we are. Simple because the game has changed and we haven't. And there's nothing says that more than obviously still playing at Goodison Park and 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 you know, still sort of trying to live off the 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 old fashioned ways of doing things when everybody else is is in the future basically it's a reluctance to bring like new faces in the yeah. in the business side of thing into the conversation and mm. you know obviously we've tried things a bit never really fully committed to it but we've tried the director of football thing mm. without understanding like it without understanding it but we're never first to anything in terms of like no anger whoa whoa like, i've got to stop you there we were the first to sell tickets via mobile phones You've gotta you've gotta you've gotta give plaudits where plaudits is deserved. First team to have under soil heat. Yeah. Well but first team to have nets. Sl- Come on. Less important than that <laughs> than our under soil heating and the um names on the back of shit. Slightly less yeah. important than that. Yeah. Is we're never faced in terms of a, an infrastructure or a backroom style or anything like that. And then clubs like Brighton and Brentford who see things a lot more intelligently than us who plan a lot better than us they come along and they nick our spot yeah that's it and we've stood still for a long time and standing still means moving backwards when everyone behind you is moving forwards you tumble down well you, you talk about some like infrastructures and, and new things the guy owns brighton he basically licenses his um database to the football club you know you talk like he has a because i think he's because he is he in the gambling world or something? I think that was uh, Brentford. He was gambler. No, this fella's a Brighton Tony. Tony Bloom, his oh, name is he? right. So he's got a yeah. He's Brentford's got a similar. So this guy at Brighton has got like a database of like all the players, <coughs> and he has a he has a um, an algorithm, right? An algorithm for deciding who the who should the, should scout, and he licenses that to the football club. Like how. How like talking about being in the talking about being in the future talking about a different sport. This these people have got these people are deciding who to buy via algorithms, and we are so far away from that. Like don't get me wrong, we've probably got good people doing good things at, at Upper Finch Farm, but the idea that we've they've got algorithms deciding, and we've got we've got fellas who are the best people to go and sit down and have negotiations with in restaurants in London and all that and that's your reason for being the chairman like the the game has moved <laughs> so far away from where we are 
that we are we will still be playing catch up for the for the early part of like the 2010s rather than the uh, 2020s and and doing more exactly you know and and again it's been that thing of like the stadium will be the thing will the stadium the stadium will be fantastic but in the wrong hands It'll just be a place with four sides of seating on it. It won't be a thing that innovates the football club, like you've like you've seen other with maybe not necessarily other clubs, but just the way other clubs have innovated going forward. And and a stadium has been part of the the catalyst to drive them forward. And that's that's the scary thing. And we talk about doing things that other clubs haven't done and being first. We've seen clubs build new stadiums in recent years, but maybe not entirely capitalise on it mm. this is our chance to make up some ground in that regard and use our new stadium mm. to its full capacity to make a bit of an accidental pun there but like maximise its ability to change the football club mm. and to you know bring new owners in new investments but because of the position we've put ourselves in in the league table we have to be very wary of new ownership and new investment now and the thing about it is as well right is that this is not something there's often phrases used like, you know, we are a million miles away from this club and stuff like that, or that club's in a different league and all that. But Newcastle have proved that the, the leap isn't that big if you get everything if you do it right. If you get everything right, if you get your ducks in a row. You know, there's obviously gonna be fluctuation in the league every season due to the spending power of the big clubs that everybody else is going to be like fighting for the scraps and that's been shown with Leicester and West Ham Leicester West Ham Leicester Leicester went to the final day twice in fourth place and dropped to fifth you know they've they've, they've and then covid came along and obviously covid was a massive uh, destabler for everybody covid came along and, and meant they had no impact in going out and buying any players West Ham chasing the dream as well like don't forget last season on the on the last day this on the last day during the last game they were sixth and we were about to play in the europa league and then i think man united ended up winning their game they got sixth and west ham finished seventh which won't not a bad thing for west ham because west ham got a great chance of winning that conference now and that would be brilliant for them and i think they're, they're safe now but they've had a turbulent season but that will happen because as everybody throws money at trying to get europe and I think for we all we all sort of think that there's only really one place, seventh place, if obviously the FA Cup and the League Cup are won by someone in top four, which they generally are. It's you're all chasing that one place, and if you're throwing everything to get there, of course you're going to have seasons where it goes wrong, and you are, and because this league is so. Because it is, uh, you you have got eight, nine, ten teams who could be relegated. Then you can easily be caught into that into that that slipstream. You can be one of those ten, and you can find yourself only weeks with the season left, still being, you know, only only points above. So that can happen, but but it can happen the other way where you can you get yourself a good run, you get yourself some decent plays and score goals. You can be up there. The thing is, with the money being so big as well, the capacity for how good you can become is a lot larger because you can match the spending of the top teams, but it also improves the capacity for failure mm. massively because then you're setting your standards higher with the more money you spend, and West Ham are a team that spent a lot of money and in the last year have went backwards from where they are. And a couple of years ago, West Ham being in this position, obviously they wouldn't enjoy it, no one yeah. would, but that was sort of the standard that set for themselves with the lack of spends and with the performance on the pitch. This year they've spent a lot of money and they're not doing well. That says to the fans, there's failure at this club. Things aren't mm. being ran well. Yeah, there's got to be perspective, hasn't there? I mean, there's always got to be perspective. You know, when a club like Everton aren't going to be competing with um, 
with them with obviously no one can compete with Manchester City. You know, look at Ar- I, I do, I, I, I understand the frustrations of Arsenal fans to a point. I saw them, I saw some a little couple of the clips from Arsenal fan TV after Friday night, and I seen a couple of things even on on national radio stations and stuff. People who should know better, people having a go at Arteta, and people out and and you just think they've done brilliantly. Absolutely brilliantly, and they've done. If they were in, if they were had, if they were in top of the league, there'd be some perspective. But because they've been top of the league for ages, and now they've been dragged back naturally because City are just a machine. And this, nothing to play, nothing to play City tomorrow. Um, the you know, if they were to beat City, then of course they'd have they'd have the they'd have the momentum back as it is now. Obviously, if City beat them tomorrow, it's all over. I think, but. You know, the, the, the you have fifth last year exactly. So and then if they'd never been in the title race, but they'd just finished second, but Man City just ran away with it from the start. Everyone go, what an improvement! But the thing is, though, it is that, isn't it? It's it's that you lose. You you, you know, City are unbelievable, and Liverpool tried to keep up with them and couldn't. Look where, look at the season Liverpool are having now. You know, for them, it's it's catastrophic, but they can't afford. To spend the money to keep up with City, you know Chelsea. Look at the season Chelsea are having because they got all their decisions wrong, like we've done. And look at this. So they're in what were they like eleventh? They're having a horrendous season. You know Manchester, Newcastle have capitalised brilliantly. They've been at the right place at the right time. Manchester United. Some some of people like oh, I don't know about them. Well, they're currently in fourth um, and could get third back. I think they've got a game in hand on Newcastle and they've got a, a trophy and they're in another cup final. You know, and and it's it's tough. We won't, we can't keep up with these clubs as it stands, and probably for a while. And nobody can, nobody can. And it, it is that thing of like that's why it's so tough. Every season is its own thing. You have to have long term planning and not change from that. And that's why when people talk about Brighton and Brentford, they do talk about them in such high regard because that their plans are we keep doing what we're doing, we keep doing, and it doesn't. It doesn't matter. We, it doesn't matter. We look for, we look for gains every single year. But we're not gonna get. Uh, we're not gonna do something crazy. You don't waver. Well, that's it. The they stick to the plan. And I think I seen there was a, something. There was a clip on. I think it was Jake Humphrey's podcast about um, Jake Humphrey's podcast about Brentford, and he were like, it was Brentford actually, because and the discussion was if a player comes up, brilliant player like Ericsson who obviously decided, basically Jake Humphrey was like, if you'd found out that Jake Humphrey, that, that Ericsson was a knobhead, would you have signed him? And he was like, well, we knew he wasn't because the manager had worked with him at, uh, with Den- Denmark for a few years. So we knew, and he was just like, but if we did, we wouldn't go near him. And he was like, no. well, why? And he was like, well, because he'd upset everything. And all that would happen was it would end up bad. He'd, the the rest of the players wouldn't buy in, you know, and it'd be short term, and uh, it would just be bad, bad everywhere. He said, "So no, we wouldn't be dragged out. What we do?" And I just thought, "Well, there you go. There's the thing right there. You stick to your guns. You keep doing what you're doing. 
you, you, you're consistent, you've got a model, you know what it is, you don't change from it, and you'll get somewhere. And, and that's, that's what Everton have got to get into. That's the mindset they've got to get into. Yeah, because this year Brighton could finish sixth, and then with you know the prize money they've brought in and European footballs look forward to, you know, they could turn around and be like, yeah, 60 million on one player, go mm. on. They won't do yeah. that because no. they know that the the consequences of that, if you don't repeat the same feat next year, mm. are going to be tough and that'll limit the spending and that ruins the yeah. whole plan. Yeah, exactly. But the comparison of that to Everton, you know, they've got their algorithm. Have you seen the film Moneyball? Mate, I live, I live it. It's one of my favourite films. You know, the scene where it's at the start of the film and he's, he's got all the old scouts in the room yeah. and, that, and they're talking about yeah, signing yeah. player. He and looks he goes, good. He's got an ugly girlfriend. He goes, he's got an ugly girlfriend. He's got to be low on confidence. That's Everton. <laughs> yeah. And Billy Bean and Jonah Hill's character, that's Brighton. Do you know there's a, and, there's um, a copy of Moneyball in this room signed by Billy Bean? Is there, yeah? Yeah, it's in here. Astro Center's over. It's in here. Do you know they're moving to Vegas? How disappointing is that? Who are? The, um, the A's. Are they? Yeah, yeah they're moving to... Uh, I, I hate how American sports isn't that horrible? can do that. They're moving. Just, like, franchise. Yeah, they're moving because they're... Cause unless it's a... Unless it's a... It's because they wouldn't... Um, they wouldn't... No one would build them in his stadium. stadium. So Vegas... Vegas are buying all state. But, well, they've got the Raiders, haven't they? They've yeah. got an ice hockey team. Um... Uh, yeah, so they're all they're they're happy to build them because they want like a big sports town now. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I know. I completely agree. Me, completely agree. Um, Jay Ratcliffe says butter's gone up in price. All about the margins. That's poor. Kick him out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, someone else also said you should go to uh, Aldi for your not Aldi. Sorry, Lidl. Lidl. I don't live by Lidl. Oh, otherwise, I would. Sorry. Yeah. Um, you do nice jelly worms and Lidl. He said, Jay, Jay Ratcliffe said, get, get your butter from Little and spread the payment. You need to kick him out. Yeah, that's, that's, that's disappointing, isn't it? It's really, really disappointing. Um, Alfie boy Everton like Richmond when they got Zava. <laughs> that's for oh, Ted Lasso fans. If you don't watch Ted Lasso, you won't no. watch Ted Lasso because you're, you're a student. I can't afford you, all the different streaming things. Imagine one of you coming in your house, got a Mac, and you get like free Apple TV with it. Do you, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I'll have to look into that. There you go. Didn't know that. Right. Uh, fantastic. What a fantastic conversation that was. It was a great chat there with Jack. Um, Ned would just be saying mad things. Uh, Ned, his guitar. Ned and Baz are currently interviewing someone that, and I'm not allowed to be there. So he's quite famous. He's not an Everton person and uh, I'm not allowed to be there. So you can, have a, you can have a guess who that is. We won't say, but you can have a guess who that is if I'm not allowed to be there. <laughs> there you go uh, thanks for all your comments I have been looking at them just to get the general feel of things there's so many to read out the 777 thing I, can't, I just can't see happening if I'm honest but there you go uh, there you go thanks for watching we'll be live over on Toffee TV Toffee TV BB Toffee that's our Toffee TV premiere very in about half an hour or so to, to do the final words from the Crystal Palace game thanks for watching we'll see you later <laughs>